everybody to this is a, a special gathering for us this Sunday in that in just a little bit the the children are going to come in and they've been working on a little Christmas production they're going to uh, present for us and then uh, we have a special guest with us today uh, that I've been waiting to get to church for many 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 years and so you'll get to meet him later uh, so we're excited about that I think he's wandering around hey Audra you can ask our, hey, our guest can come and worship with us if he'd like to come and sit and stuff. He can come and be with us. But, um, but yeah, you know, just, uh, just what a great time. How many of you Christmas is like your favorite time? Anybody like me? Everybody in my family picks on me. I'm like, uh, Selena for years, I would start playing Christmas music normally around my birthday when we met, which is in September. Uh, and so I would start playing Christmas music and Selena finally after years said, can you at least wait till my birthday's over? Can you at least, and hers is in the first part of November. So I finally conceded and, uh, and allowed for Christmas music to be played, even though don't tell her, even though she's listening that I listen privately in my car, uh, pretty much uh, most of the year. I just keep that to myself. Yeah, I know it's. It's just my own little private vice that I do and stuff. So, but no, but you know, just such a great time, you know, for, um, for so many people, this is their favorite time of the year as you talk to people. I think on one side, because people in general are typically joyful, they are, there's a little bit more lightheartedness than the rest of the year, this time of year. Uh, even with what they say, even though this time of year for many is a time of great depression and sorrow. And there's a, I don't know if y'all know this, but suicide rates go up two and three fold this time of year. Uh, depression goes up two and three fold this time of year for many people uh, because they're not at peace. Right. And so I want us to look and it's been on my heart for some time and we'll start it today. And through the rest of this uh, Christmas time together, uh, I want to talk about uh, I didn't realize this for some time. I've always kind of known it, but as I looked at it how much the New Testament is about peace. And I had not really seen that until recently when I was chasing some stuff down that, that the New Testament is a testament of peace. God's desire to make peace, right? And to sit at peace. Did you know that was God's plan from the beginning to be at peace with man? Aren't you so glad? Amen. You know, I'll tell the story real quick and, and not get too far. One of my favorite historical stories uh, that comes from the modern era is actually at the end of World War II. And I don't remember how to pronounce his name, but there was a Japanese soldier on one of the islands of the Philippines. He was part of like a special operations group of the Imperial Army of Japan and that he was there to cause guerrilla warfare with his a platoon. He was there to disrupt things and disturb things, all that kind of stuff. He was the last known person to surrender at the end of the war, but he didn't surrender. And, I, and if you go Googling, you find out if I'm wrong until it was like the, either the mid seventies or the mid eighties, like it was years, like decades late. I think it was the seventies if I'm not remembering wrong. And, and he would, and it was so funny. You read this story, it's worth reading. Um, but he just would not believe that there was peace. He just would, and he held out to all of his other uh, platoon members. He was the last survivor. They all died. 
He was still running around that area of the Philippines every now and then terrorizing the locals, sniping a few people, causing problems, still trying to accomplish the mission he was given back in the 40s. You know, and they dropped leaflets over the island. They announced to him, hey, listen, the war is over. And he just, he refused. And finally, one day, I forgot who it was and how it worked. There was a a reporter who came out and was able to kind of meet him and said, listen, the war is over. He says, if you'll bring my commanding officer here from Japan, I'll surrender. So this guy goes back to Japan and praise God, this gentleman's commanding officer was still alive. So they suited up his his commanding officer, brought him to this island, bullhorned out, and the guy finally came out of the jungle and surrendered and yielded after all those years. Now, how many of you hear that story and you go, that is just crazy? Anybody else hear that story? You read that story and you're like going, that is nuts. Who would, I mean, we'd say in the South, who who could be so stupid and still breathe, right? I mean, that, that you would, that would be there. But you know, guys, so many people in our world, that's what we do towards God. We're fighting a war that Jesus won and has declared peace over. And we're still like that Japanese officer holding out still believing that there is a war between mankind and God. Still believing that God is fighting a war against sin. Are you looking? Don't look at me funny. How many of you know a lot of those people are church folk? (laughs) A lot of those people are like you and I and we're held out in the jungles and we're fighting this war on sin especially. We got to just obliterate sin and we got to get sin out. And some people go so far, they blow stuff up. Come on. Are you with me? Now, again, I might cross over a little bit. I mean, I'm not for abortion at all. So don't please hear me. But we got people blowing up abortion clinics some years back. We got people protesting sinful activity. Does that make sense? But do you understand that peace has already been made? Years ago, the Lord told me this. Hey, there's our special. Been trying to get this guy in church for a long time. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He's always busy this time of year, but it's a, it's it's a blessing to have him come and join us for church. Welcome, Nick. Good to have you. <laughs> Amen. That's so cool. Hey guys. Again, here's, here's a great little analogy just to interrupt our thing. Do you understand? Uh, I, I, I would be and still am probably would be blackballed for having Santa come to church. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still connected to many of them. I, that would, I mean, you do much. But that's this idea of the silliness that we do. Right? In an attempt to fight a war... That has already been won. Where do you understand that you you do not have to fight sin? Do you know you don't have to fight sin in your life? Oh, I'm gonna I go real personal just for a second. You understand that, right? You don't have to wage war with your own sin, nor do you have to wage war with the world's sin, because Jesus won and defeated and declared peace. Over the war on sin. Amen. 
Are you with me? That's why, and we'll look at it in the coming weeks. That's why Paul called it in Romans chapter 15. We all probably know this verse, Romans chapter 10, verse around, uh, chapter 10, verse 15, somewhere in there. He said, how beautiful, everybody help me, are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace. Do you know why we don't see people saved? Because we preach a gospel of war. We preach a gospel of judgment. Now, please, now please hold on. We will teach in the beginning of the year. We're going to walk through the six essential doctrines of Christianity. And one of the central doctrines of Christianity is something called the doctrine of eternal judgment. So we will talk about eternal judgment and what that is. And it's real. And it's there. The real brief definition is this. Uh, the Lord gave me an analogy of this years ago. If we had a like a gasoline-soaked log up here, and I was holding on to it, right? And Tony came up, and Tony has a match, and he says, Brad, i got to burn that up. Please let go. And I say, no, I love my log. This is my favorite. This is my pet log, right? We've always had this log. This is a generational log. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's there. And, and if we held on to it, eventually there'll come a time when the log will be destroyed. Yeah. Right. And if I choose to hang on to it because I choose to, mm -hmm. then I will, I will take on the judgment that was never meant for me to carry. That's right. Does that make sense? That's why Isaiah tells us that it pleased God to smite Christ. You know, the question runs around there all the time. Who killed Jesus? Was it the Romans? Was it the Jews? Was it me? Who smote Christ on the cross? His father did. Can I, hello. Now, he was there for my sin and for your sin. But it's the same mirror image of where God stayed Abraham's hand before he killed Isaac. As a promise that he would not stay his own hand when it came time to kill his promised son. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So see, God, God was the one who laid the knife of judgment to the sacrifice on the cross. As for me. That's why to say anything less than I'm at peace with God... It's really a disgrace to the one who offered his son. Because you didn't kill Jesus. The devil didn't kill Jesus. His father offered the sacrifice. Because it's the only way that would actually remove sin from us. That's why to in any way claim that I am still connected to my sin once I have been forgiven is again... Do you see this? Is to really put in vain what God did for us. Does that make sense? Y'all yes. doing good this morning? Yes. So go famously to, to Luke and we'll look at this. So everybody say it out loud. Say, I am at peace with God. I am at peace with God. How's that feel? <laughs> Some of you say it's good. How many of you go, that's a little weird? Because I did. I used to. I still. I mean, I still tell people this almost, 
almost weekly. And people will fight you. No, no, that's not true. Right? You're at peace with God. God's at peace with you. Amen. So, so here, let's look at this. I'm going to back up and read the prophecy of Zechariah. Here's a little bit of discipleship. Who was Zechariah? Bible trivia. Elizabeth's husband, John the Baptist's daddy. Right? Y'all remember that story? You know, right? The angel shows up to Zechariah when it was his turn to turn to offer in the in the temple, and he kind of doubted and kind of went mute. <laughs> right? Just as I love this guy. Okay, well. You just be quiet right now. That's what, <laughs> he, uh, Zachariah had a little bit of a timeout right there, about nine months worth of times out and uh, that was there. Um, but then when, when John is born, you know, and they say, what shall he be called? And Elizabeth says, John, and the family's like, well, ain't nobody in your family named John. Let's go ask your husband. They bring him up like a chalkboard or something. And he writes, he will be called John in that moment. His tongue is loosed. And this is the prophecy of Zechariah. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 67, Now his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied and said, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation. That just means a strength of salvation. A horn always talked about like the battle cry, but it always represented strength and force. Right, So it says, God raised up a strength or a force of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies. I mean, again, who are our enemies today? Huh? Well, you could be Satan. I'll, I'll give you that. Right. Remember, our enemies today are never people. People are not my enemy. Dogs and cats. Yeah. cats. Miss <laughs> Elizabeth said dogs and cats. Yep. Miss Eloise said dogs. But you know, sin has been man's enemy. Disease is man's enemy. Poverty and lack are man's enemy. Mm-hmm. Right? Depression, oppression, a lack of purpose and significance. These truly are the enemies of man, but he has saved us from our enemies. Have you noticed that? I mean, we're talking about the prophecy of John the Baptist, but also pointed to Jesus, right? Jesus did not come to save us from people. Right? Are you with me? Right? So never, I want to say that to us, never let us look at people, even if they're meaner than striped snakes, as we'd say. Right? (laughs) We are never to look at people and go, they are my enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hello. Uh, well, again, a little bit ahead of ourselves, right? Because why would I make war with someone God has made peace with? <laughs> right. Why would I fight and go to war with someone whom God sits at peace with? Mm-hmm. Amen. So again, as we look at this, remember, people are not your enemy, right? Things like sin, sickness, poverty, lack, oppression, depression, a lack of purpose, insignificance. These things are our enemy. But praise God, we have been saved from our enemies. Amen. Through Jesus Christ. 
and from the hand of all who hate us, it says, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Do you know you can serve God without fear? That's, that's big in the church world. Many people are not serving God without fear. They're serving him with fear. Because they're afraid, well, if I don't do this, if I don't, then he won't love me as much, or I won't. Are y'all looking? They're, 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 okay, God, I'll do it. Just please, please don't hurt me. And many people treat God like, well, they do. They, I mean, I'll, I'll pick on it a little bit. It's like tithing, right? The principle of tithing. Many people tithe because they believe he is the God father, not father God. Oh God here, okay, God, here's my 10%. Just, just, just don't hurt me, right? Just I've given you the, the insurance money so you'll leave the car alone and the hot water heater will stay intact and, and you won't take my job away and you won't bust my kneecaps out. Here's my insurance money. Just there it is, God. There's my tithe, right? And that's Amen. just, many people read their Bible that way. Okay, God, I read my Bible. Amen. Okay, God, I went to church. Okay, God, I served on the XYZ at church. Or okay, God, I did. No, it says here, because of the one who was coming, we might serve him without fear. How cool is that? Amen. Hey, are, are you with me? That we would never do anything. Whatever God is asking of you to do, it's not because, okay, well, if I don't do this, I'll be outside the perfect will of God. Right, and we would tell people all the time in church. Right, you know, the safest place in the world is the perfect will of God. Well, we don't realize when we say that that we flip the script on on the other side. That means, well, what happens if I'm not in the perfect will of God? You better brace yourself. Uh, now I'm unsafe. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not blessed. Now I'm not, and now I better get over here and get in the perfect will of God at all costs because, well, that doesn't. That's not the prophecy. Jesus came that we might serve him without fear. Freely, wholly, because I love him. Right? Does that make sense? Because I want to. Because it's my heart to. It's my desire to. Amen? Not because I'm afraid that if I don't, I'm somehow going to miss something. Amen. Anyway, you could spend a whole day right there, couldn't you? In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. That's how you actually serve God. Do you know that you already, you serve God in holiness and righteousness? Mm -hmm. Because that's who you are. You are right and you are holy if you've believed in him. And you, child, he will, and you, child, speaking of John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. Now notice this last phrase of verse 79, to guide our feet into the way of peace. I love that. Why did John the Baptist come? His father through the prophecy of the spirit said, You will guide our feet into the way of peace. Hallelujah. 
Amen. See, guys, we, we here today as believers, we, we live in the way of peace. We're going to unpack it in the coming weeks. Do you realize that you are actually like your Savior? You are what Jesus said in the great Sermon on the Mount. You are a peacemaker. So you're not just a peace receiver only. You actually get to be a peacemaker. Hallelujah. Amen. Remember Jesus said that blessed are the peacemakers. For theirs is the kingdom of God. How many of you have inherited the kingdom of God? Who here is in here? If you've inherited the kingdom of God, that means you're a peacemaker. Hello? You get to go into the world and make peace. Do you know why we live in many times in, in a world where it seems like there's less and less peace? Have you ever noticed that? The world that we live in today, there's a lot of warring going on, right? There's ethnic or racial warring. There's socioeconomic warring. I mean, shoot, now we got medical warring. Which one are you? Are you vaxxed or unvaxxed? Go on now. I'm just going to poke the bear just a little bit, right? We got to be careful no matter which one you have chosen to be. No matter which one you, and hey, I'm, and I'll just tell you, my choice has been right now I am unvaccinated, right? That's my choice. Does that mean I'm better? No. no. Does that mean I'm smarter? No. no. <laughs> Does that mean I'm less or more protected? No. It just means that's what I chose to do. I, we, we, we read about it. We prayed about it. And standing here today, that's what we've chosen to do. And I leave the right out to say, one day I may change my mind. Does that make sense? But the last thing in the world I need to do is go fight people over stuff like this. Why? Because I'm a peacemaker. Are you with me? Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. See, we were called to make peace, make peace with mankind. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. right, we'll get deeper into this as we move forward in the weeks ahead. But now fast forward into the next chapter. Chapter two, very famous. We know this is the birth of Jesus. We sang about it a little bit in this song. It says in verse eight, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Right now, again, just for fun, because I, I, y'all know me, I'm a little bit of a, of a history geek person. Uh, a, just to pop everybody's little bubble and just to say it so we can get it out of the way. You know, Jesus wasn't born in December, right? Everybody understands? Jesus was not born in December. Okay, we all, we all understand that we basically have baptized the winter solstice. That's what we've done, Right? That's just what we've done. The Catholic Church, kudos to them, hundreds of years ago, baptized a pagan holiday called the winter solstice, and that's why we do Christmas. Okay, so just to say it there, it's okay. All right, that doesn't mean we're pagans. Doesn't mean that this is a bad holiday. Doesn't mean we should stop. It just, we have to realize that. But Jesus was most likely born in some time of the year when shepherds could sleep outside and not freeze to death. <laughs> whether that was spring, whether that was fall, I'll let everybody debate that till the, till the cows come home. But Jesus was born apparently, hey, here it comes the guys, we'll get ready here in just a second. Y'all just hold on as we land the plane. Um, 
but he was born there in a time when they could. But here's the thing about the shepherds. See, Israel at the time and for its history, can you imagine, if you will, living in a culture in a place where you required a specific type of animal to make you right with God? So just imagine, you remember that in the history, they had to bring a perfect, spotless, without blemish lamb to the high priest. If the lamb was ever marred by an animal attack, it would no longer be perfect. If the animal tripped and broke its leg, it would no longer be perfect. If anything happened to that little critter, nothing. So what Israel did in those days was all throughout, they were in agricultural countries, all throughout the nation when they would find spotless lambs, because they were kind of rare, right? A lamb would be born and, and they would start looking it over and pulling back the fur and they would look. And when they found a spotless one, they would send it to the city of Bethlehem to be guarded and protected mm-hmm. for the time of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's why it says there were certain shepherds. Mm-hmm. Those certain shepherds had the honor of shepherding the Passover lambs. Mm-hmm. They were keeping watch over their flocks by night. Right? They were preparing and keeping the sacrifice that would make Israel have freedom or atonement from their sin for a year. So now you understand why the angel showed up to those guys. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just some random shepherds out there. That's right. It was to the men who were given charge to protect the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Right. Keep these animals safe. And then he says the most, he goes, now I need you to leave your duty... Leave your guard post, and we will take you to the real Lamb of God. Does that make sense? And you will get to see the Lamb born first. Because you have kept the lambs of Israel for all this time. We will now let you see these, the Lamb of God first. Amen. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. What, what an honor. I just, that, it kind of paints a little bit better picture for us. But that's why it says, hey, don't be afraid. Besides the fact they were freaked out that angels were there, they were like, hey, don't be afraid. You're not going to mess up your job. I'm about to replace you. (laughs) I'm about to make your job and your occupation obsolete. Amen. It says, do not be afraid for behold, I will bring you great tidings of good joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And love this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and everybody say it out loud, glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill towards men. Now, that declaration was from who to who? So who made the declaration? God. God, The the angels did for God. Mm -hmm. Who were they declaring the declaration to? All mankind. So do you understand that the declaration, the first thing proclaimed when Jesus was born is remember he's here because I am declaring peace and goodwill toward all men. Amen. Amen. I love that word peace literally means it means a state of rest and quietness, a state of calmness and absence of strife, 
a inner tranquility. The other definitions means a state of national tranquility. Amen. See, guys, what we're celebrating in this time, the peace that we're talking about is not peace among men. Peace toward men. And when we understand peace toward men, we have a shot at making peace among men. Again, you understand that God made peace with you so that you can make peace with others. The only way you can make peace with others is to understand God has made peace with you. Because if I am no longer fighting God, if I am no longer an enemy of God through my sin, if God has declared and made and brought to me peace through himself, right? Mm -hmm. Then I sit at a place of perpetual eternal peace that can never be taken away. One who will not break his peace agreement. One who will not change his mind. Right? Now I have a shot at making peace with others. Amen? So this, this today, we'll continue this. We're going to let the kids come up and, and do their presentation. So y'all come on up. We're so glad everybody's here. But I want you to meditate on this in, the, in this season. That you are at peace with God. Amen?